0: Welcome to our Industry Chat. The members of Bloodhound Picks and an occasional guest give their no BS experiences with current aspects of the industry. Hi, and thank you for listening to this episode of Industry where I talk to the nightmare kids, which are made up of Tony and Jade. Now I had the pleasure of meeting these two when I lived in Los Angeles and I was a projectionist at the Chinese theater where they both worked. And Tony and I bonded over horror movies anytime we had a break. And they were both some of the most passionate people that I've ever met in terms of wanting to do the work, but also in a way that felt genuine and never felt like they were trying to step on other people's backs or anything to get what they wanted. It was just always about making the art and doing what they loved. I always appreciated that. They were some of the first people that I had in mind when I wanted to start doing this interview series. And it's a, it's a shame that it finally came about now, but it was great that we got to do it. And we go from topics all across the board to what it's like living in L.A. now in this 2020 era and how it's really shifted the industry and where do we go from there. Also, the topic of that we've brought up in this podcast as well of submitting to festivals and being an up-and-coming screenwriter. So listen up, because this was a very great conversation and incredibly comforting to kind of chat with them again because it's been too long. So enjoy. Tony and Jade, thank you so much for joining me as part of the Nightmare Kids. What's up, man? Hi. So um, it's been a little while since we've kind of spoke Besides messaging here and there, but, and I know kind of your histories, but could you give our listeners kind of how you got started, what interested you and getting you started in the horror genre? And
1: yeah, so for me, um, uh, I'm Tony, this is Jay, we're the Nightmare Kids, so like uh the thing that started me with horror was actually where I grew up, Craig. Like uh, me, like I'm I'm from I'm from Long Island, Hempstead, uh, Nassau County and um but like most people know long Island, you like this this rich area, and that's the place where like amityville horror started and everything like that um I was actually from like a, a darker part of of Long Island, not like the rich preppy area I was more from and the the poverty like what you would call the ghetto and I saw a lot of things with that you know I saw uh, like quickly I saw like a lot of like uh shillings and, and things of that nature. And, um, you know, the only escape the only for me was to be able to write. Like, you know, um, to write uh, uh, write poetry and write short stories, things like that. And then there was this one movie that got me in, into horror, which was uh, this movie called Tales from the Hood. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. So uh, that this was the, the journey into my whole horror journey. When I first saw Tales from the Hood. By Rusty Condor. I it, it was it was something that was so amazing for me as, and I I was a, I was around nine years old when I first saw it, and it was like it, it was a movie that held up a mirror to the things that I was witnessing, like it, what, whether it was like the racism and just, just the police brutality and the stories about African Americans and, and 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 our own dark horrors within our households. That movie was. The thing that set up everything for me, and I, and then I just went down this dark
2: rabbit hole after *Hell's Kitchen* hood, and um and here's Jade. <laughs> uh, I am from Baldwinville, New York, which is like a little subsection of Syracuse, New York. And I grew up. I've always been pretty creative. Uh, my grandma was an artist, and my mom was already a horror buff. So on top of being shown it and what. Uh, you know, Salem's Lot and Cherry and all that kind of stuff at, like, six years old. I was also uh, learning how to draw, coming up with my own, like, superheroes and stuff and kind of locking myself away and and drawing, you know, all the worlds that I wanted to exist in. And um, so definitely I would say my mom influenced me with horror because it was always around. I gravitated more towards, like, a good, like, dark fairy tale. Or, like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie Legends with Tom Cruise. Yep. Yeah, that movie was, like, high fantasy, creepy, like, as old characters, the goblins. It was so creepy. And um, then it, of course, scarred my mind like everybody else in my age.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tim Curry is amazing in it.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was I was a little bit down with the camp that was like, there'll never be another thing lives. But, you know, I think those scars are actually, especially in number two. Yeah, he, uh, he took it and ran with it. But yeah, I've I've just always gravitated towards like darker, creepy. And uh, when I decided I wanted to go to college in Herkimer, New York, I didn't know that there was already a weirdo there waiting for me. Yeah,
1: that's like that's actually how we met. How how we met? We both went to uh, Herkimer College, uh, upstate New York, and then like you know how we met was we were in a talent show, and within this talent show, I was like I was like doing music, rapping, and Jay was singing, playing the piano. And then, like, we had this connection of, like, you know, that from music. And then us, like, uh, knowing that we had this connection from music, we went to, like, you know, hang out, and we would go to our dorm rooms and, and have these, these talks. And I saw Jay was, like, drawing these amazing, like, drawings. And I was like, wow, this is all, this is, oh, this, is, this is cool. And I think what brought us together
2: for being on the movie front was definitely uh, Tony had held this big special screening for all the students because he got really inspired when he saw Django when it came out, Django Unchained, Mm -hmm. and I never saw it, and I was like, what is this movie? So we go up to the screening, and I was like, yo, this is, like, crazy. And honestly, I think that may have been the first time I really you, the Quentin Tarantino movie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, it was a cool story, mm-hmm. a dope director, right. and then you were showing it to me, and you were coming at me like being a rapper, good at work, playing all that right. kind of stuff, and I was like, oh, so it was like just a big mind-melding experience, and then I was like, oh, this guy's got the eye. Yeah, it was crazy, man, because like when I, like,
1: I was, in, I was in that college, and I was like, majoring in criminal justice, and this actually was the... Like, they did. I always knew I wanted to do film, but I didn't know if I could do it. And I remember, like, to be honest with you, Greg, like, I was, like, I was fucking homeless, bro. Like, I was homeless, and I was with one of my friends, and we went to see Django Unchained. And when when we saw it, I was just like, what am I watching? And, like, it just, like, it, it, it like, it triggered something in my mind. To to go down the film, the whole film journey. Like like, Jaws another was the, the horror for me.
0: Yeah. But
1: Django was like the film journey. So next semester when I went back to college, like I took film theory, and then I just fell in love. And you know, me and my professor, we just like clicked. And he was like, "Man, you should you should like do film." And I was like, "Yeah, you know." And I just started like watching more dark horrors and. Like I've always been watching the horrors,
0: but I I I, I go people after Django. Okay, yeah. I think that's always a an interesting thing. How you kind of both discussed it is this concept of the fan versus really going in with that critical eye. Especially with horror, you have people that will love whatever the Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare, on Elm Street, and so on and so forth. But then you have there's like those two levels where. It's that, and then it's that really deep dive into the kind of this subject matter, right? Definitely. So, after that, you two then moved to Los Angeles, where that's where um, we well, I end up having the pleasure of meeting you and we kind of worked together for some years, right? At, yeah, and then you went to film school out there too, if I remember, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, so basically, <laughs> before we
1: even came to Los Angeles like we 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 lived in this place called Rome New York Which it's
2: a haunted town
1: Oh yeah we we actually like script about this this city as well we got we got something on that we we, we actually lived in a, a like a haunted apartment believe it or not Yeah yeah and Rome Rome New York is like a, a crazy place bro we lived there for a whole year and um me and Jay we just we just started like pitching ideas and writing movies
2: right Yeah we um uh well, like, it was just, a, the town is built over a big battleground, I guess, one of the wars. So it's just over a bunch of dead bodies, and uh, it definitely has a happiness to it. And amidst us, like, coming up with ideas for things, Tony started having a crazy sleep paralysis. Yeah, man. Um, Like, every night. Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it's been, a, a, I, I've had, since I was a kid, I've always had sleep paralysis, but it only happens in places that are dark. Like, believe it or not, it's kinda weird. Um this that's another thing that like drove me to horror
2: And probably um off the back of him having the sleep paralysis, we started coming up with like, you know, what could that entity be? And then started, you know, expanding our brains with darker stuff and then we were like, you know, some of this stuff could probably be a, a, a movie, wouldn't you watch? Like what we're talking about and we we're like, Yeah, and so we started writing some script just on pen and paper, and then we were like, "Well, what are we doing with this?" And we're like, "Are we gonna take this seriously or not?" A friend had told us about LA film, and we literally the week, was a week before, we yeah. sold fresh
1: stuff yeah. And we were on Yeah. 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 We sold everything that we had in an apartment, and we we sold our car that we had, and we just like just done for Los Angeles, and we went to film school. Um, I went for film. Jake went for animation and we just like grinded it out and it was it was an amazing experience it was, it was well not it was not amazing it was good you know um, I thought it could have been better it wasn't a it wasn't like a U, uh, UCLA film school or USC uh, it was it's a, it's a different kind of teaching but it was it was cool it taught us what we needed to know and we learned a lot about ourselves and then we got jobs at the Chinese theater and that's when, when we met you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what's crazy greg like because uh, we, we met at the chinese theater and and um and it's just crazy that i remember doing projection like you know when i was like doing the training for projection yes um i used to be scared to go to the imax room man oh really
0: that's
1: you no know, I'm, I'm scared like I, I used to get like goosebumps like when i walked down that hall like, I don't like when I cause, like you guys were training me, and then when I started like doing it by myself, it just I don't know. I just I, I, in that area, I always felt uncomfortable where, uh, in the grommet, yeah, area. No, so
0: yeah. it's it's weird because kind of when I was there, I don't know if you remember or not, but I was basically one of the well, I was one of the regulars, but I was one of the main kind of closers for the most part. Um, yeah, and so I would be there the last person at like two, three in the morning, and I'd have to do Grammons and shut everything down. And I even with the IMAX, I had to go into the like the basement and all of that area. I remember for all of those years, people talking about like seeing things and having these experiences and that were, like, very real, but then I just didn't know from my own personal um, beliefs or whatever, but, like, I just never, like, I somehow never had any, but, you know, and I was there almost every night, but then I'd hear, you know, stories like yours or somebody else where there's just this feeling that they had, or I've heard Carlos, if you remember him, one of the other projections. he talked about working there with some construction workers at one point years ago, and... They actually saw a figure brushing the curtains, like, walking by in the distance and all, like, some very crazy things. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about that story. Yeah,
2: man. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, I definitely, I don't know if you ever went down to the girls' bathroom, but that, there's, all of us girls talk about, there's just an energy down there, man. It's just weird, but it's kind of funny that you bring up the Chinese theater being haunted. Because, you know, also,
1: it, 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 the weird thing is that maybe maybe uh, the entities or whatever it is that is there, like, latches to some people, and some people are, it, it's like, maybe it's, a, it's just like an energy thing.
0: Yeah, that's what, I've, I mean, with that type of chat, I've always heard that that it's a person has to be open to, or has to, yeah, have an openness to it, or something like that, because I think, for myself personally, I'm always willing to side on the level of um skepticism or very um a scientific approach so which probably wouldn't help me if i was to live in an actual horror movie because i'd be the person that would go look where it came from and then you know whatever <laughs> happens to them but they talk about it being a an openness that the the individual has to have to the like the spirituality right, right. I, I i don't know if you ever i don't know if
1: you ever heard about it but like we actually shot a film with yeah, it <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is, this, is, this, is, this is this is an exclusive that we we did
0: there, Craig. Like, you know, I remember, I, I, have I ever told you about this? I remember I was actually uh, the night you guys because you guys scheduled the night um and I was supposed to be the last. I you know, I was the last person there that night and so I was I was t- leaving everything on and I was supposed to set it all up for you and then I th- Yeah. I think so you were
1: our oh, okay. Yeah, man, we we like it was it was it was an amazing experience. Um, uh, of this guard, uh, the security guard at the time, I forgot his name. I think Alejandro, uh, Alejandro. I think his name was uh, yeah. But he he um, he let us in, and you know uh, we had at least about like 30 people there. We were shooting this sound footage film about, like, these these four kids in film school trying to t- find some truth in Hollywood. So they, they broke into the famous Hollywood theater, and then they invoked the spirit, and, like, all hell broke loose in, in the theater.
2: One of our actors actually, we went up to the projection area behind the screen, and one of our actors actually had, a, like, a full-blown panic attack. Mm-hmm. He just felt like it was, like, everything was too much. Hurt. And then a girl who had a panic attack, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like,
1: um, uh, um, two,
2: two of our actors did the girl Yeah, but I think it was uh It was cool because it was also equal parts like, ooh, we're doing thing maybe we're not supposed to, but we're sacrificing for the footage, gorilla style. But also a complete crash course and like movies aren't just pointing a camera. It's not as easy as you might think it is. Mm. <laughs> we ran into obstacles and. It, stuff. it was. It was really. It
1: was really a good experience, man. Like it was. It was a story that we wanted to tell. Like this was my thesis project. Like you know, it was a, it was called the screening. Um, we we, we have a teaser reel, but I'll send that over to you so you can check that out. But it was pretty cool, man. But um, I think that like you remember the time when found footage films were like really
0: like hitting hard. Yes, uh, um, it was after. What There was paranormal activity, and then there was probably, there was a ton, I remember, when we worked there, but that was that boom where it was like five, what, five to eight years where it was just everybody was doing a found footage movie, you know, multiple times a year.
1: I'm actually kind of pissed at that that stopped. Like, that was... Like, I'm not going to lie, bro. I like that... film. Like, I know, like, there's a lot of people that don't like that
0: style of filmmaking. But I love found footage, man. No, I... Um, so I was kind of always... Because I... You know, I was never, for some reason, Paranormal Activity didn't get me. But it wasn't until later I started re-watching other, or seeing other ones. And I watched movies like um, The Bay or, uh, Mm. and there was a couple others, there was some, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, some Japanese found footage films, and those just, like, wrecked me, you
1: know. This one that, like, I recommend that me and Jay watched that was, like, kind of, it was weird to us, it was called the Bukitsy Case. Is that sound, oh yeah? Yeah, the
2: Bukitsy
0: Cakes, man. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard people talk about it. That one is awesome. Uh, my, my favorite, if I had to say specifically, is As Above So Below. As Above So Below is my favorite found footage film. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, yeah. Still, I've only seen like half of it. Or some, It's one of those ones that I'll start, but then it's always late at night, and then I find myself falling asleep, so I don't you know, have to turn yeah, it off. That was yeah. a great
1: film. And you know what's weird? What's weird is that... Um, I remember being in film school and my teacher, because I, I pitched it and he was like, oh yeah, he was like, this is like the style right now. He was like, to be honest, he was like, I don't like sound footage films. And he actually said, like, this, this is not going to go far. This is like, And I was like, I was like, nah, man, I think this could be the future, maybe. And he, he was right. Oh,
0: yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think when it's done well, like, I, you can say that with any medium or any style if you know it's done well it can be outstanding but then i know during that time there are the ones that you could tell that were just like those cash grabs that i think kind of ruined oh you know, definitely of course but no, it that kind of gets into i guess the whole concept of working in this industry during kind of modern era if you want to talk about that and then kind of go then of course we're going to go into the elephant of the room of the industry you know post i guess 2020 with covid you know george floyd and black lives matter with me too and everything so i mean i'd love to hear your is talk about it and because found footage to me is a very even though it was done in there was cannibal holocaust and a bunch of other movies Mm -hmm. you know early on but found footage really found its i guess stride in the you know with kind of more modern technology and especially now we're starting to see this move into while there was the host that is doing incredibly well but are we going to start seeing which we'll get into it that i'm assuming later with the future of horror and all that but you know that these zoom movies or these things like that but yeah what what has it been like yeah into kind of this modern era and trying to get your name Going because I know both of you working together with as the Nightmare Kids. You haven't even looked at, or you don't do just film, but you know animation, comics. You worked on. I know a novel series.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So like, it, it like so
2: basically you're asking like the future of like what's the future of cinema? The month? I was
0: kind. Of, yeah, sorry, no, I was. Um. We We'll get into that. I was jumping ahead of myself, but um. If you want to, for right now, just talk about, um, I guess what it was, it's been like, I guess, up until this 2020 year, trying to really make it. And, you know, I guess the, the hustle, the word I don't want to use, but, you know, the hustle of it, I guess.
2: Um, well, I mean, I, it's kind of funny, um, I was just telling phone, so, so much is a lot of, um, you know which maybe I should do a little bit more of, but Tom watches a lot of kind of what you were talking about earlier. The videos where they're like, so here's how I think, you know, this script should go, or here's a good concept for competitions or this or that. And I always kind of steer away from them because I feel like everyone breaking through is so completely subjective based on, of course, you know, the whole old Hollywood adage, like it's all you know, I think that that's incredibly true. Um, and then also, you know, there is race components. There is when you're a female, are you attractive? Are you do, are you show-offable? Um, there is the who-you-know factor. There's the are you willing to go to the parties and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and I think that that has been a consistent thing. Like, I do think sometimes talent is sacrificed for the, like, are you out here? Um, and I think sometimes talents, people kind of get left by the wayside and – you know, people who are willing to play the game a little bit get scooped up. Um, but maybe, I don't know, what you think about
1: that one. Uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's all about what you do. Like, I think that, like, it's like Craig said, like, we're going into a new age of, of filmmaking. So I don't think that, I think Hollywood is dead to be honest with you. This is my personal opinion. I think Hollywood is dead and I think that it's not a it's not gonna be a who you know or uh, it's just what do you do and how, how do you now, do it? I think now it's gonna be Yeah, yeah.
2: but I think that before I mean, mm-hmm. almost every stereotype about Hollywood is true. Like how hard it is, you gotta know somebody. All that kind of stuff. And I think for you and I, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that we're kind of a machine where, like, we crank out concepts really fast. But I I also, I kind of, like, disagree
1: because I think that, like, you know, you could... It depends on what you do. I mean, if you are a writer, if you're a writer, like right, if you're if you're a writer, it's definitely going to be harder for you, right? Mm-hmm. But like, uh, as a, as a filmmaker, like like look at like we, you can get your hands on a black magic camera, so you could write some. I could write a whole bunch of short and just like I could get in the game. So so I would say like if, it depends on what, what Hollywood are we talking about because if we want to go back. The, the, the past 67 years, you could have done it like David F. Sandberg.
2: That is true. You know like, what I'm saying? Studios like A24 and Focus and stuff, they, they pick up stuff. With like Even their film and films hometown, their yeah, yeah. are high on sound. Yeah, yeah. They're spending like awards. Yeah. So part of it is just, you know. I mean, I've I,
1: I, honestly, I, I, like, I think that David F. Sandberg is probably one of the, the people who kind of like started the game of like, hey, get yourself the camera, like, and, and he's a guy that, like, not to say that he, he writes amazing shorts and uh, things of that nature, but he, he, he has great ideas, and he takes his ideas and just shoots them and puts them out on, on a platform like YouTube with just him and his wife. And, like, he just got on with that, you know, like uh, James Wan caught, caught a liking film, and, like, like he's on his, going on his fourth feature film now.
0: Yeah, I know because he what he got really popular with Lights Out if I'm correct right and uh-huh. the the show. right yeah. No, but I think that's a it's kind of a great thing to really talk about is the idea of making your own and then it becomes that which I think a lot of writers especially well writers going into wanting to make their own stuff because you know that's what especially with this modern era that's kind of where it's it's told like you were saying with it being hard on just being a strict strictly as a writer and Mm -hmm. so but there's also that aspect where i know a ton of them that are like okay well i'm going to make my own movie now but then not really realizing there is that difference between a written script and then a shooting script and then you know shooting on a no budget script so um i know because i was saying um, just a moment ago i know a bunch that will be like oh this is going to be a very cheap script you know this thing i wrote out and then they we actually take it into or you know whoever takes it into production it's like well not real you know because now you have to start accounting for the series of you know all these different things the special effect that you think might be cheap isn't you know and, and right. accounting to a, a bunch of money where
1: it's 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 so crazy you're absolutely right like it's me and Jay we we have felt fell victim to that a lot of times of like you know we we've, we've had this idea and then we're like oh man like we we can do this and then once you start shooting you start realizing like oh man like um I'm going to need money for this like whether it's makeup or whether it's just food for like if you have other hands that that's gonna be helping you, you know. So like it's always it's always one of those things. It's like
2: definitely that. that, um our first, you know, vandalism run is that, you know, trying to film in the Chinese theater showed us that we had a we had a nice like you know, a decent tiny little pocket of what we had to work with. Right. And we were like, Oh, this is funny because it's you no know, grassroots sound footage It's good. what could be so extreme? Right. And then it was like Day two went by, and we're like, oh, wait, how much do did it? Be? Oh, day three, oh, that much now? And it definitely showed us, like, it, it, but it showed us to be thrifty, too, and, like, yeah. to figure out. We have a, a short that's called The Chair that is on YouTube, and we only spent money on craft service for that, for the people that were in the movie. Right. Everything else was completely free. Like, yeah, we just worked with our alleyways, our chairs, yard everything. I think it's for us. We 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 specifically
1: like learned, like you know how like how the budget will go, like you know what I mean. It's like basically uh, the only thing I don't like about it is like it, it it's like a marginalization of your imagination because like it, you start to think of uh, how can I how can I shoot this and not go big, you know. Um, that's the only thing that like I. That it's it's kind of like tricky with me, like I I because I, I like to when I'm when I'm writing I, I don't like to hold back on my imagination, but like then when it because you'll have this thought in your mind and you'll have the the the, the process of how you want to tackle it, but it, you know that there will be other aspects that you're gonna need like oh how am I gonna get this apartment oh man like am I gonna am I gonna need this permit like you
2: know and that's what kind of i sort of, like, frustration with me coming from upstate New York, where, you know, if there calls for a corner store in our script, I know a corner store where you would just be like, hey, man, you know, we'll we'll buy 50 bucks worth of stuff, and they'll let you film in there, where out here, it's like, you gotta go to Film LA, you gotta get a permit, you gotta have a time frame, you know, it's so mm-hmm. much, like, antiquated, systematic stuff that, if you think about it, specifically living in Hollywood, it could kinda of acts out some of the poor people trying to make films where, you know, it's the place you have to be, but it's also like you also have, have to have the
0: money and have the know how and connections, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I can um agree with that totally. I know um for this podcast we like have tried some ventures and doing, you know, short films and things like that of that nature and that's been one of it is where, you know, my own Parents live in um, northern Michigan area, which is very rural. And um, that's kind of been this thing of, like, well, instead of shooting, since the three of us are across the Midwest, instead of shooting in Chicago where one of our members are or things like that, or, you know, L.A. where we have some actors that we like to use, well, you know, is it better to just say, well, let's just get a couple people out here Where we can, you know, shoot on a person that I know has a hundred and some acres, and, you know, I know I can utilize this restaurant or whatever because I worked there as a teenager or things like that. So, does the, yeah, does the whole concept, I guess, of, or what is it like, I guess, shooting in LA, and is it almost worth it to just, is that why people are moving out and saying, you know, well, let's shoot elsewhere? things
2: like
1: that i don't I, 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 I don't think it's worth it. yeah i don't think it's to be I, I, I don't think la is worth it at all like it's like you know, unless the only way i would say la is worth it is if your story specifically called for hollywood yeah. if you needed to see like the stars on hollywood boulevard but like what how many how many how many if you have the money to pay for sound
2: and stuff like
1: that like, right how many movies I mean, specifically, me and Jay were in a movie that called for that, which was the, the fanatic. You yeah. know, I mean that that film. Uh, I mean, uh, that that's a movie that like called for like you had to be
0: specifically in Hollywood for. You know. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I remember I because I texted you after I watched I watched the fanatic, and then I yeah. remember seeing the scene and going, "Oh, there's wait, that's Tony. And that's." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Cool, the Fanatic was a cool experience.
2: I feel like That's the thing, too, is I think that the fanfare of just like Hollywood is the place, the city of dreams, and like you can bump into, you know, Idris Elba getting coffee at Coffee Bean. Like right. I think that that's still why there's such a gravitational pull out here. But I think that that's like com- combating with the fact that like, Get Out only costs $5 million. Mm. They filmed in, I think, Connecticut. They
1: filmed Alabama.
2: Of oh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Okay, in, in five million dollars, Jordan Peele made a monumental film with detail, with amazing characters, with amazing imagery, mm-hmm. with an amazing twist that is starting the renaissance now of all these—you know—a little bit more budgeted but bigger creatives. I think, in, in, in the sense of the word itself, mm-hmm. and, and especially giving bigger
0: light to minority creators, other creators, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, that's, I would say, you know, um, you, you you definitely don't have to be in Hollywood. I, I, like, if, if someone were to ask me, I wouldn't even recommend, like, the Hollywood the Hollywood notion. Like, thinking, like, oh, I have to come here to, like, make it or, or do it. Like, I think that, like, some of the best work is outside of Hollywood. Like, it's, it's not, like, you know what I mean? Like, just for, like, the only, the, the only reason I would say one would have to come to Hollywood is if you had to do the... The the studio, you know, talks, are the rope carpets, which I think is also another thing that's going to be like, like, dead soon. I don't think that we'll see, like, red carpets. As you see, like, people are doing Zooms now. Yeah. Like, even if we just watched the Lovecraft Country, which is a great show, and, like, right before they, they premiered the show, like, they had this Zoom just breaking down the characters and how they went into right it. Right before like, they would
2: have been in the studio. Right. Well,
1: I mean, that, that, that would have been, like, a Q&A or a red carpet. But, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So this is the future
0: yeah no um, that actually helps kind of bring in where I'm going next is um, I mentioned prior but now you know we're here at the the elephant in the room is, the, is 2020 and you know with COVID and with well mainly COVID is what's separating us but then the elements of you know George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and the you know just all of these different aspects of kind of really shaping the industry and I think you know you look at again like Jordan Peele's get out, which you were saying, jade uh, but then how up until that point there up until this point, there was kind of this shift of where you either had what two hundred million dollar movies or you had movies for under ten million or most a lot or even under like two now or stuff like that where right. yeah, I'm curious how you think it's going to you know with everything is there going to be a way to go back, or are we kind of past this point of no return?
2: If I'm being honest, in my personal opinion, I mean, like, you're from, you said you're from Michigan. Um, you know, the movie Don't Breathe, yeah, yeah, that was filmed all on the Detroit streets because the vacant houses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Pete, uh, I'm gonna say Judge, what is his name? Pete Davidson. Um, he just had the King Staten Island and then he had the grown-up movie um you filmed that on staten island and then in syracuse new york so like i think that the more that we saw a movie that broke ground like get out only had five million dollars and then movies like green room like all these like a24 movies they're showing us that like you know even honestly if you could save up twenty thousand dollars and you budget it super tight You don't have to be in Hollywood. If you've got the eye for it, Quentin Tarantino could most likely film on a budget of $5,000 if he really wanted to make some little short movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it all comes down to the creative. And I think maybe that's why Hollywood might be shaking a little bit is because I think we are starting to realize, like, oh, we could probably put that as a webisode. We could start that. Like, Broad City started on the internet. Insecure started on the internet. And it just takes... The initiative I said to do it, and you don't really
0: got millions of dollars to answer the question. Oh, definitely, yeah. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Produced by Josh Lee, Craig Drum, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond
1: Seed. Editing by Kyle Hintz.